Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am well, my friend. How are you? I'm good. Um, you know, it's you the season starts, David, and we're like, oh, you know, it's early. And then before you look up, it's already three weeks in, and we're like, oh my goodness, things are things are happening fast. Thanksgiving's <laughs> around the corner. Thanksgiving is around the corner and Christmas will be here soon. And that for so many people is like their official start of the NBA season. I'm always like, guys, you realize by Christmas we're halfway, we're almost halfway over, right? Like it's, you know, not quite halfway, but we're, we're a quarter of the way through uh, of the season by then. Um, we've talked a lot, David, on this show about um, parody in the league and, you know, there really being no easy victories. I mean, there are a couple of teams that just aren't very good, but for the most part, the talent spread out and, just about every team is really trying to win when you when you, when you play against them. Yeah, um, uh, Henry made a, uh, a document for us and included in there that he didn't think that he's he's reading into the statistics about mm-hmm. really not that much parity. Mm-hmm. I I don't agree. Uh, this is basketball reference. I think he's referring mm-hmm. to. Yeah, you want to you want to tell me the Miami Heat can't win the East? Of course they can. <laughs> I, I think they can. You want to say Milwaukee can't turn it around and figure it out? Of course right. So whatever what, the, the three teams that he said have a chance, mm-hmm. I'm guessing Boston, Philly are two. Right. I don't know which the third one was. I didn't, I didn't. The third one, I, I, if, if it's a basketball reference metric, I'm assuming they're using uh, net rating or plus minus as like their as a as a lead stat. And Cleveland's up there pretty high, even though they're sub five. Right. So that could be there and they're four and five. So they're not like two five games. Uh, uh, again, so I've already got from three to five. Just with those two, um, Toronto's got some interesting things going on for sure. Uh, uh, we can we can go on and on. So anyway, I think that the league is still very thick. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right, David. It, it's it's so it's really two different things, though, right? We're not saying all 30 teams can win the NBA championship. No. That's a very different thing. Yeah. What we're saying is, aside from Charlotte, Washington, you know. Washington, right? A few other teams. Well, what other teams? Let's let's be specific. Detroit. So Washington, Detroit, Charlotte. Washington, Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, even San Antonio is bad, but like they they're going to compete. They beat and I think that's right. That, that's the point. At, at least for right now, those those three teams aside, all to other twenty seven games arenas you go to, you're not just going to show up on a Tuesday night. And if you play C minus ball, you're going to win. Yeah, I think I think that's correct, and I think that. Uh, this the, the the draft isn't so special, so that that we could tell for now. We'll see how college <laughs> plays out and European ball plays out, but mm-hmm. I could see teams not choosing to tank for longer periods. And also, there's there's deals to be made to get other teams a little stronger than we're. Yeah, I still think we're in for a hell of a run here. Absolutely, and one of the things that we were ahead of here on True Hoop, thanks to uh, Coach Thorpe's big basketball brain, and speaking of Coach Thorpe's big basketball brain, uh, we're going to bring back um, Ask Coach Thorpe. A lot of you have been asking about that. Um, you send in questions, and uh, we'll read them on air, and Coach will delve into his basketball brain and give you some nuggets. So if you guys want to hear from Coach Thorpe specific questions about whatever you want to know is about the league, send us an email at truehoop at truehoop.com. That is T-R-U-E-H-O-O-P at truehoop.com, and we will read your question on air, and we'll get David's insight on that. Um, speaking of your insight, you said, this was before preseason, I think. You and you were no, looking I out saw, teams. No, I saw a preseason game. Oh, it was yeah. a preseason. Okay. Yeah. So it was a preseason game, and you're like, you know, I think Minnesota can have the best defense yeah. in the league. Again, 
Let's not get crazy. However, 10 games is not nothing. No. Right? We are 10 games. Some teams are 11 games into the season right now. Minnesota, the number one defense, and it's by a pretty decent margin. Um, beyond the obvious things, well, I mean, maybe there are obvious things. What are you seeing, Coach Thorpe, defensively from the Minnesota? Well, I, I always start with metrics, and then I will start watching tape. And I've, I've seen them play a couple times this year. Uh, so they're second in the league. There's 30 teams. They're, they're second of the 30 in points allowed in the paint. Shouldn't be a surprise with Rudy. And McDaniels Cat. is tall. Mm, and Cat is tall, right? Two of those three really care about defense a lot. The third one seems to have a little vigor uh, in he defending. Does. Cat does. They're first in effective field goal percentage, D. Now, is that going to stay? Who knows? Because there is a luck quality to that. But those, those are a bunch of hard guys to score on. Conley's a very smart defender with some quickness and lots of experience. And the end was just a bull. Hard to get by, big, strong, long. Kyle Anderson off the bench. Like, there's not a lot of room for teams to get fat during the course of a 48 minute game. So, I could see that being top three, top four all season. Uh, they don't foul. Fourth in opponent free throw rate. So, you can't get easy points against them. Uh, their turnover, they're, they're forcing a good amount of turnovers. Uh, I think 12th in the league, I wrote. So I uh, can't score if you lose the ball, right? Like mm-hmm. all eighth in block shots, uh, number one in opposing opponents' three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. That also is luck connected to a degree. Mm-hmm. What, what degree, we don't know. We'll see that play out. I would tell you that it would be weird for them to be first after 10 games or so last after 20 like this luck only plays a part it isn't the whole story it's not even majority of the story and uh, they're doing a good job they're 15th in opponent field goal attempts for three but remember there are a lot of teams who strategize about giving up this three to take this away but allowing this three not allowing this three corner threes for example so um and their starters are really playing well the number six or so in the league for a starting group, which says something about their bench too, which is good. But yeah, they're they're here to stay defensively, I think. Yes. Um, we talked about them on Thursday because I said to you, I'm curious to see how they do this weekend with the, with a slew of games. They have San Antonio on Friday, which they did. They won that game, had a lead, a big lead, and they kind of let off the gas late um, and let San Antonio back in a little yeah. bit, but won the game. And then a, 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 a two-game series, in San Francisco against the Warriors. Well, they won last night. Now, second out of a back-to-back for the Warriors. I know, caveat, but still, put it out there. And then Tuesday uh, will be the second game. And, David, what I saw that I liked um, is we had discussed off-air when the Warriors run their Steph Curry pick-and-roll, right? You talk about ways to defend it, and one of the ways is if you are coming flat as the big and the other defender, it's like high hands, right? It's one of the things you you teach your players. So that Curry can't just make that pass so easy. I don't recall him seeing turning the ball over um, in those situations on last night, David. But the pass was not so easy to make over Gobert and McDaniel's, uh, and so the looping pass allowed what you talked about, which was your backside defense to rotate back. Well, it just had more time. The ball's in the air, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about leaving. I always use the word millisecond. The, the millisecond the ball leaves the passer's finger pads, which means they, it can't come backwards. Mm-hmm. I thought magic. Uh, uh, you've got to be on your string, racing to wherever you're going. 
it's straight line pass with pace arrives faster than the more looping, as you described, you know, pass. Um, there is, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about that, the high hands thing. Did I tell you the stat a coach told me recently about they tracked their team all summer? I don't think I told you this. <laughs> nope. So I spoke to a coach, a uh, college coach, who, you know, these guys play year-round, basically, in college. You may not think they do. They do. So this one team tracked every shot in scrimmages they took, just maybe just open gym even, but also included all their practices. So everything's filmed. Everything's tracked probably by GAs. My son will be doing this somewhere next year, probably, or two years from now if he stays an extra year at Florida State. Um, they track it. and they Because I don't think they have cameras in every facility in America. So humans do it. Um, how it how a team is shooting all of that. So, so this coach told me that they tracked what they deem early high hand contests versus late high hand contests. The early high hand contests, 30% made three. This is a very good team, by the way, not a mm-hmm. great team necessarily. We'll find out it's early in the season. Right. Um, normally a very good shooting team, 30% from three against early high hand contests, 40% which tells me his team is a pretty good shooting team, by the way. There's a lot of teams that don't shoot 40% with no one in the gym on defense. <laughs> so um, this is something I've always believed, uh, that, that early high hand makes him think a little bit. And, um, and so against Curry, you have to do that. And the Warriors have guys, just lots of guys with size. The only small one is Conley of that starting mm-hmm. group. And, and yep. the fact that they're starting group, I, this is not to change the subject, but I don't. I think I have sixth in the league among starters, basically for net rating, and I don't know their net rating, but it might be like plus eight, pretty good. Yeah. Do you know what the Celtics' net rating is for the starters? Twelve plus twelve. You're not even close. I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> uh, by the way, I would have said nothing different. To be clear, they're plus forty-one. Oh my! It's a joke. <laughs> I'm just doing that. This is their starting unit playing a lot of minutes. They Good are Lord. demolishing everybody. So maybe oh, I'm wrong man. to say there is parity because this right. team's crushing everybody. They have uh, lost a couple of games, though. They have. They have. Minnesota was no, one they, of them. They beat them. Correct. And, wow, that's interesting. You know, you mentioned Minnesota's defense, yeah. David. I did a quick look. EPM defensive metrics aren't out yet, but defensive box, box plus minus is out. Yeah. Um, of the, the Wolves' 10, top 10 rotation guys, David, nobody has even a neutral Defensive box all positive. Everybody is positive. Yeah. That makes it really hard for you to score. It does. It also makes me think that uh, Chris Finch has done a good job of rotating his guys. They're probably not doing a five-man rotation a lot. They're probably leaving, whether it's Rudy or McDaniel. Like, I would stagger those guys a pretty good amount. Mm -hmm. Although Mm -hmm. McDaniel's defensive metrics aren't great that I remember. But yet. Right. We're only enough in the Mm – I mean, when I talk to NBA players, he's the two guys this weekend – he was the first name mentioned as the best defensive player they found the league, perimeter-wise. Um, although he's very tall. He's not just a so perimeter long. defender. Oh, my God. So long so and long. quick. And, yeah, he, and he has a disposition to defend. Um, and so that's smart coaching to make sure we got some good defenders in all the time as I bring in the other guys. As, as I say all the time, and I'm happy if Daryl Morey or anyone else that knows analytics better than me can correct me. But no matter how you're evaluating everything, if shots end in a miss, that's a positive. Now, it's, it maybe you may get a negative ding on your shot quality allowed individually, but the bottom line is we track scoring. Mm-hmm. So if dudes are missing, 
When I'm on the court, that's good for me, whether I really helped or not. If they're making it, even if I execute it beautifully and perfectly, it's a ding against me. So the more often you've got good defenders in the game that are helping force tougher shots and those shots aren't going in, everybody wins. Mm -hmm. So that's something I always consider. They can invent a system that takes into account um, whether or not the shot goes in doesn't matter. That's a system I don't ever see. It may exist out there, probably does. It's not something we see publicly. It's only based on the actual scoring. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Carl Anthony Towns and, you know, we've talked at nothing about Towns and, you know, the disappointment he is overall as a player, uh, very good offensively, though he's not playing offensively well this year, uh, this, this year so far, though he played well last night, he had to play David defensively. You talk about high early hand contest where they were in a scramble situation and it was Curry in the corner and he made the effort to, again, high hand contest go out and it caused Steph to backpedal in the corner step his foot out of bounds turnover right like now you see that in the game and, and you probably think ah throw away and i'm like no well that's a possession right that would have possibly been three points yeah. it was zero now yeah because he made the extra effort i mean that's the name of the game uh, i really like to look at players uh that are hustling and closeouts when they know they can't really get there and do much they do it anyway i think it's a good vibe it's a good culture thing the teams that are racing toronto races those guys are giving good effort to get to where they're supposed to be, even if they're not going to get there in time. They, they don't just quit. It's like, you know, Pete Rose was famous for hustling. You probably don't know mm-hmm. this, but no, for racing. Course, the, okay. No, no, no. You, but, you know, he was famous for hustling in the first base. That's, yes, that's Charlie, Charlie Hustle. You're right. Good for you. You're, I don't think you followed baseball that close. I was, you know, going into middle school when all that shit was happening. And when he was in his hitting streak, I was in Cincinnati with my family at Kings Island. Yeah, this guy's diving into first base, yeah. like trying to, you know. Yeah. But most guys don't really do it like that. I love the ones that really do. Just hustle it all out. So it matters. It matters even more when you're seven feet tall. 100%. Um, you know, last year when the Wolves made that Rudy Gobert trade, it was widely panned by many people, right, because of what they gave up. Um, and people were saying, oh, is Rudy even that good anymore? Turns out having Rudy Gobert anchoring your defense is pretty good still. Um, and it was a bet the Timberwolves made, you said at the time, on Anthony Edwards. David, that bet's looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, looking- I, the article, which has been, it's controversial. Uh, I, I, I Ultimately, I went back and read this a few months ago. I, I don't think, I, I, w- I would not have done it. But I argued on behalf of Tim Connolly as to why he did it. He, he was, he just, he's trying to, he, he, had, he, he had a long-term contract. So he was good either way. He wanted to make a move to suddenly get this team more relevant. And the only way that would work, in my opinion, when I, when I wrote this was, if you think Anthony Edwards is going to be that guy, not just even a, an all-star. D'Angelo Russell was an all-star before. Right. All-NBA, right. first-team, like, MVP, MVP candidate. MVP candidate, right. As the first pick in the draft, who looks like Superman. Um, that was the bet, I thought. And, and uh, it didn't work out great last year. For different reasons, you know, he's one of them. He was very good, but not, he didn't make that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's making the leap. He's making the leap. He is, I would pick him as MVP right now, even though I, I oh no, I'd probably pick Luca, to be fair. Um, Luca's probably been better, but, it's but a, he's, he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. He's in the conversation. And uh, yeah, it's great to see. It's good. It's good. Uh, the NFL has always been successful with no, you know, other than Tom Brady. Repeats are very tough. Mm-hmm. Like every year, it's a new team. 
Minnesota's a new entry into the interesting teams. Memphis made a little run. Sacramento mm-hmm. made a run last year in the regular season mm-hmm. anyway. Now we have um, Minnesota. We need we need the East to do something similar. It's always the same teams there. And David, um, with Anthony Edwards, it is also the defensive commitment yeah. that he's made. Uh, and he is, the metrics say, and like, when you watch him, like, no, he he's a legitimate defender. Um, he... He has that quality about him, that competitiveness that, and you always talking about with guys that fuck you to him, to him when he's playing and you can see it because in that game last night against the Warriors, uh, it was late. Wolves played well. Um, he was coming on the lane for a layup and Draymond followed him hard. And uh, Edward Saran said, yo, you don't got to foul me like that, bro. And then Draymond kind of went at him like, well, I can let you grab no layup. And like Draymond doing his normal, like big dog, let me like see if the, this guy backs down. Anthony Edwards, not that type. Like he was, you know, and you know, those things are little and like, people don't think they mean anything, but they do. there's a competitiveness to him. That's like, they, I don't know, man, you don't want to mess with this one. I don't think. Um, so I'm watching a G league game last night and I, I, I don't almost ever talk about players that I talk to. This is a young man that I, I will mention his name. Um, I probably have before. Um, Cause he's 20 years old. His name is Dominic Barlow. He was overtime mm-hmm. elites. First guy. Didn't get drafted. The Thompson twins did yep. get drafted. I think he helped them get drafted because he was an undrafted player. It's an embarrassment to the league that he's not drafted. He yep. ended up having a terrific second half of the season in the G League. His last game for the Spurs against Dallas last year, albeit an unimportant game, he had 21 and 19. Mm-hmm. So he's been with the Spurs the whole time, gets no run because they're a bunch of other young players, and he's only a two-way player. Why no one else has still the Spurs – Hey, upgrade him or we're getting him a real contract. Hollinger right. even said on air one time he's worth probably a two-year $10 million right now. He's younger than most guys that got drafted, and he's way better than them. So he's in the G League game last night. I, said, I told him I, I'd like to watch it and see how he plays. And first play of the game, he's helping. He rotates over. And the, uh, the team he played, the, uh, the, now they're called the Osceola Magic, which is the county where it's a county in Orlando where mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a Magic play. Um, uh, Kissimmee is probably just south of Disney. So this guy, Chris Walker, who I remember the name, but I wasn't sure it was the same guy, makes a little jump hook over him and th- does the too little thing. He- he's smaller, by the way, than Don Barlow. <laughs> oh, boy. The too little. This is like first play of the game. Uh, uh, and right away, I think, oh, man, I know that name, Chris Walker. There was a goofball guy that played for the Gators. He left five-star player, didn't last long. And I'm like, that guy was so old, looked up, it's him. Yeah, like ninth year, you're in the G League. Not not the ideal situation, but also not the worst. It is a good league talent-wise. So Don Barlow, 20 years of age, having never played in the G League this season, did not know his coaches, got there an hour before the game, met them an hour before the game, didn't know a single play, nothing. He only put in 34. <laughs> this is not even a score. Right, and he didn't, right. I, don't think he, I don't think he played so well. You could tell he's not used to having to score. I'm, for the right. Spurs, he's a role player right now, can't even get on the court. And it all started with that too little thing. Like, dude, just stop. I, I, I literally talked to a college player the other day about his team. He had a teammate make three straight threes in a game. Very impressive. Not easy to do. Boom, boom, boom. Like, to me, that's the next level. Everyone can make one three. Half the league doesn't have guys that can make two in a row. Very few guys can nail, nail three in a row and then not be good shooters in their career. So this kid, this college kid, makes three in a row. But each time he does the arrow shooting, he celebrates. And I was talking to him and saying, I cut that shit out. Like, just fucking play. Stop. If you get fouled 
or a whistle blows and you want to celebrate with the fans, great. But when the game's going on, stop. So <laughs> I agree with you. Like all this kind of shit matters. It matters. <laughs> Players, man, they're always looking for an edge, right? Uh, the famous line in the, in the Avengers um, where, where uh, Bruce Banner says his secret is he's always mad. Right? He's always angry. So he can now turn the Hulk anytime he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, that exists in most players that I've dealt with. They're always on the edge. And then if you just kick them a little bit more, then they're full bore. And it's just play. Yeah. Don't, don't, if they're in not engaged, great. Mm-hmm. Don't let them be not engaged for as long as possible. So anyway, back to Minnesota. Uh, uh, so I'm writing about him this week, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know what I'm going to find when I really look deep. Uh, I'm very intrigued because if they're a top five, we said this on the show last week, the top five defensive team and the two best offensive players are named Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. They're cooking with grease, Rod. Yes, Those that, guys are hell of offensive players. They, they are. And look, again, I know Cat, look, he has his issues. We, we've talked about them on this show a million times. They have options there, though, right, David? It could be that Cat, you know, like he played last night, gets himself back to that level. He doesn't have to be, you know, Anthony's clearly the one, but if Cat can score 20 a night yeah. and hitting threes, that with and that defense, if that's you know what we think can be a top five defense all year, it absolutely should be. That's going to be pretty good in the hard out in the postseason. Yeah, I mean Denver won that series against them last year in five, but they were tough. It wasn't like they they blew them yeah. out in every game. I have some concerns about both bigs defensively, but here's my thing, and I'll write about this. Should they worry about the postseason when you're in Minnesota? How about how about being a top two seed? When is that? Win happen? the regular season. If, if it turns out you've got to tweak your lineup, so be it. But li- get there first as a top two seed and, and worry about the postseason later. That, that would be my approach anyway. I, I think you're right. Um, so, yeah, uh, Minnesota, definitely an intriguing team. Another team to watch that's intriguing, David, um, the Houston Rockets. You know, we talked about at the top of the show places you go where you know you're going to get a guaranteed win. Well, that was certainly Houston last year. Yeah. Uh, this year, not so much. Not even close. Now, again, early nine games. But. When I watched them, when I watched them last year, David, I would look and say, "Are you guys doing anything competently? Like, does anybody know how to box out? Does anybody know? Like, it just seemed like I don't even know what's happening here." The metrics still say they are below average, right? The thirty-team league, fifteen is the average line. They are still below average in offense and defense, but seventeenth now in defense through nine games, David. They just look competent now. They have an idea of what they want to do, and they are trying to execute what they're being told to do. A lot of times, there's no one statistic that tells a great story. I was doing a deep dive in them this morning at your request, and there is a glaring one that tells you everything. You want to guess it? This is not an individual statistic. Uh, and so it's about their defense? Yes. Uh, po- not totally. It's about their oh. team. Okay. I was, I was, ooh, average age. No, no, no. That wouldn't matter. Oh. No, that, no they're, they're older. Well, that, well, that's oh, what yeah, I mean. yeah, like yeah. The, You're right yeah. about that. I have a feeling the stat I'm going to give you is absolutely connected to what you just said. Okay. So last year, they were 30th. They were 30th in a lot of things. Everything. Just they about were everything. 30th in opponents' points off turnovers. Mm. You where they are this year? Where are they? Two. Oh, well. Second. Okay. So, okay. I mean, when, when your house is on fire, you know, <laughs> basically get out. Right. Their house is not a fire. They can actually just play half-court defense because teams are just running down your throat and scoring off a mistake you made. So there's some other good spots, too. Uh, their starters are doing good. It's nice to have a solid starting five. Uh, fourth, 
among the teams that have played enough, you know, starting mm-hmm. Leonard's been playing enough. Uh, you mentioned their defense. Um, they're third in turnover percentage. So that's why. They're not turning the ball over, and they're getting back on defense. And uh, the game gets much more simple that way. I was going to say, sometimes it's pretty simple, right? Don't give, as you, as you say, one of course, Thorpe's rules, don't give the ball away to the bad guys. Yeah, well, right? don't, like, yeah, don't foul. They're, I haven't looked right. at their free throw rate. I should look at that. They, um, they're ninth in opponent effective field goal percentage, which is partly connected to the turnover thing. Mm-hmm. And they're 11th, which means they're shooting well. Their opponents are not shooting well. Like, it's not, it's not magic, right? right? Those things matter. They have some veterans that really help, right? I'm a big fan of Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, he's made progress. Jalen Green's probably made the most progress. He looks like a regular basketball player now. That's not shooting as much, not scoring as much, getting fouled, not taking as many threes, but making 40%. Big deal for him. So he looks like a grown-up. And I've not studied enough, but I see the metrics. That's a very that's what they need. That's what they need. Jay Sean Tate. Uh, playing defender. outstanding defense, defense for them. And the person who's doing the best for Shang-Gun, them metrically yeah. is Shang-Gun. Yeah, uh And he was uh, he was someone that Rockets Twitter and Rockets fans already, we need more Shangun, more Shangun. And well, yeah. you're getting more That's Shangun, right. and it's looking good. Yeah, he's got a lot of Jokic in him. Yeah, it's, it's good for the league to see slow dudes. I don't care what color skin they are. I don't care where they're from either. Uh, slow dudes that are that high at skill level, uh, there's a place for them. And and the world's best player is that. Correct. And so if Shangun is Jokic light, he ain't that much lighter. That's pretty good. He, he's hard to guard. He's really hard to guard. And you know, Marcus Saul was never an athlete in terms of this league. Running, jumping. Yeah, yeah. this league. Not compared mm-hmm. to the average, you know, dude going to a rec center when he's 40. Um, but he was a hell of a defensive player. And I, I said this about Shangun from day one. That was his like ceiling, is play like that. I don't think he's quite as tall. I think he's only like 6'9", 6'10". Whereas yeah. Mark's taller than that. Mark was taller than that. Um, but I think that uh, be a space eater. And I love... 6'11". Lo- see, that's how love, love, love putting big space eating fives next to super athletic fours. Long athletic fours. I like the Jabari <laughs> Smith um, uh, connection with Shingun. I like that a lot. I mean, we'll talk about this team later, but that was... That's what the Memphis Grizzlies 100%. did. Jaron Jackson is your athletic CD uh, four, yep. and you put the humongous man in Steven Adams yep. at the center. I really like that. The reason why they're not good right now, but we'll one of the reasons anyway. Yeah. We'll talk about them later. Yeah. Um, and then so we have to also give some credit to Coach Udoka, you think, right, in Houston? I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, he, he was never – his coaching ability was never challenged. He had some <laughs> bad decisions. Other issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he holds guys accountable. He ain't afraid. I think he's been empowered sure, definitely to coach. Definitely not afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they're they're doing it, and they've got a lot of elasticity. They're young. Fred Van Vliet is who he is. Dylan Brooks shooting well still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I think true shooting is almost seventy percent. Pretty amazing. Yeah, there's a bunch of young guys that can get so much better. So there's Houston has a lot to be excited about. No, that's it, and it's again, it's t- so it's the point. I'm not saying Houston's going to be a top six seed and, and go to the playoffs. What I am saying is. That's not a team you roll in again on a Wednesday night. Oh, Houston, easy. We're going to win this game. Probably not. All right. Like, well, you, you, it's going to be a fight. Play. It's going to be a yep. fight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We will be back after this brief commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Hey guys, Gerard from True Leaf here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapist for my partner and I, and both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. Okay, David, um, the James Harden trade happened, and, you know, Clippers have been 0-5 since, and everybody's hemming and hawing, and we knew this was going to happen. He's terrible. This, that, and the third. And, you know, everybody's going nuts. Um, there are some concerning things to see. Um, but uh, for you, what is concerning you about Harden's plays right now with the Clippers through these early games? Well, I, I will tell you honestly, um, I try to only watch teams that are, are relevant. <laughs> They're not relevant. They're right just now. not relevant. So I don't know. I mean, I've read everything and looked at statistics. Um, I saw you want to say what Ty Lue said. Oh, yes, yes. So, this is after the game they lost last night to the Grizzlies, which another struggling team. We'll talk about them in a minute. So, this is Ty Lue. <clears throat> I think we're playing too slow, just playing too slow. We get rebounds, you get stops, you got to go push it on makes. We got to push it, get up quick and attack early. You know, we can't just, and he's about to curse. And he said, Sorry, or maybe he did curse. Uh, no, I mean, we just can't walk around offensively. Like, you got to go to the next actions. If you don't do that, if you don't do it hard, you'll get beat every night, and we're seeing those results. So until we play hard on both ends of the floor, we want to do the hard things. Cut hard, screen hard, run the screen, sprint the floor, then it's going to be tough nights every single night. And so it's up to our guys to change their mentality in that regard because we're teaching it, we're showing it, we're telling it, so now we got to perform. Well, that quote doesn't bode well for Ty Lu because the, the definition, as I describe it, when a team has quit on their coach is when you're doing all the right things and getting no response. Because that is not normally the case in coaching. They just don't do the right things to begin with. They're just bad coaches. If indeed Ty Lue, and you would think he is doing all the right things and is still not doing it, that to me is a bad sign for Ty. I'm not suggesting the fire or nothing like that. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying they're not, they're not doing it. The Harden thing, uh, I, I had no problem with this whole system comment, mm-hmm. but I do think Ty Lue is calling him out. Because okay, about the about playing hard mm-hmm. um, and playing fast, they were doing that with Russell. They were doing that with Russell. He was he was making them making those old wings run because that's something he he is really a. Um, I I hope he lives to one hundred and ten, but at some point they should be doing a full study of his body because there's <laughs> yeah. something going on. That guy, I said this when he was a rookie. He's got a rocket ship in his ass, and he's still it's unbelievable. Very quick, David. It's unbelievable. Like... It really, truly unbelievable. So. Uh, they've got to fix some things. I think that they should consider bringing James off the bench. I, I really believe merit matters, and I don't care about history. So um, I would take the approach, and I'm not suggesting it would work. 
of uh, we were playing much better before you got here. Now, in part, we lost a bunch of good players because of you. Not your fault, James. Because of you. We lost these guys. And so we're going to go back to whatever we could do before you got here. Turn the second unit over to you. See what you can do with that. Or do that with Russ. You got to do it with one or the other, I think. But I would start with, the, you know, James isn't doing anything great. He will figure some stuff out. I think they will. But they've got to have urgency. That's what Ty Lue is really saying. Yeah. We've got to compete with urgency. And maybe they will. It, it, uh, Miami struggled when they first put that group together in the Heatles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't losing every game. But half their games. They were also younger and prior. And for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a concern. Yeah. Everyone, Ty, Lawrence Frank and Ty Lue are working for their jobs, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Bomber would certainly strike me as an owner who'd be like, okay, we, we've let this run now we've for done, a number yeah, of years. We've done everything you've asked for. It's not working. I've mm-hmm. got to make a change. That's why you make a change. Yeah, that's when you yeah. make a change. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I, w- I would keep Westbrook in the starting lineup because, to your point, that when he gets that man pushes it yeah. and, they, and they go. And you're seeing it now with Harden on the floor. So we always talk about stars and people star in their role. Well, David, if you have four people or three people, four people who are ball dominant, who's going to do the other things? The hard screen setting, the rebounding. That's not a Harden thing. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even like shooting catch and shoots. It doesn't mean he won't and can't because he has and made some, but it's not his favorite thing. So now you're going to turn Paul George into a utility man? Yeah. Is that the best? Well, you got to you got to split them up a little bit. Yeah, you got to you got to split them up a little bit, in my opinion, and not finish games. Then probably Russ just yeah. isn't good enough shooter for that. Um, uh, but yeah, they've got a, they've got some serious soul searching to do, and people keep talking about upgrading their center for who? Okay, I think it's pretty yeah. good. You're you're, you're not going to get a great one. You're already paying right. money to all these other guys, and they were doing pretty good when he was there at center before. Yeah, you know. No, I think Zubac is fine. I think the, the Plumlee injury is probably hurting them a little For bit. For sure. In terms of backup center. 48 minutes at center, quality center mm-hmm. before, yeah. So, you know, and then that would have been nice for James to run pick and rolls like a unit with, with Mason with yeah. Plumlee. We should address that too. Uh, this guy is just a few months removed from helping Joel Embiid win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to uh, – he's not terrible. We don't know how good he is yet. He's not terrible. He's not bad. They've got to figure out a way to get to that guy. Yeah. It, it, and he yeah. hasn't played in a while. He had no preseason. I think that matters right. too. And this is, you know, this is what you always say, right? This is coaching, right? Yeah. This is the staff and everybody coming together and figure out how do we breathe spirit, get these guys to buy into what the direction and vision we have of this team, et cetera. And that's the other thing. They've been talking about the trade, right? All all preseason and all that, but he wasn't here. So I can't imagine they designed, designed their system with, okay, James is going to be here doing, that's right. That's not what they did. This, this is the team we have. So now they kind of have to rejigger things, right? Yeah, they got to figure out some things that how to best utilize him with the group. Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out. Look, eighty two games is a long season; they have time, but you know they have to start figuring some things out. Um, another team, David, that um, is struggling. You know, uh, these these teams with, with older players, um, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they lost another game yesterday where they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Um, by all metrics, David, Phoenix is the worst fourth quarter yeah. team in the NBA. Bad, bad, bad. Like, very bad. The three, two, three quarters, they have double-digit leads. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the fourth quarter, they just decide, look, oh, game's over, and they lose. They're like 29th, 30th, and everything. And, you know, Phoenix Suns fans are like, oh, wait till Booker gets back. I'm like, okay, I get that you're not fully whole yet, and Bradley had the back and all that. But to me, I'd love your take on this as, as a coach, 
losing big leads in the fourth quarter ain't about, oh, I need my stars back. Like, th- there's something else going on with that. So, uh, we're going to talk about this for the next team, too. Uh, who was their fourth quarter manager the last few years? Chris Paul. I mean, there's the answer right there. Yeah. He masks a lot of problems, right? He masks a lot of problems. And um, new coach, new system, no point guard. I talked to an agent today who's got a, a I think, all-star level point guard who's young. Mm-hmm. and But he's on a team that has other really good point guards or good, good players at the guard spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could run his own team. And he told me flat out Phoenix would love to have him. He just doesn't think he, they could get him. Um, uh, they need a point guard. They need a quarterback. Yeah. And uh, listen, it's a great problem to have. If you, if you could, if you could it'd be separate from saying, well, we're, you know, we're winning by too many points every game. That's, a, that's a, not really a problem. The best problem to have is the one where you have big leads that you're blowing. At least you got the big lead. Yeah, they can solve the lead. They can solve mm-hmm. that, but they, they've got to do it. So, you know, we... We talked about this um, when Henry did his article on Cam Thomas, right? And the idea being that players like Thomas end up getting paid a lot, right? Because scoring gets so highly valued. And when you have a bunch of players on your team who are good scores and get paid a lot, that hurts you in a salary cap league, right? Because now I can't fill my spots with all the other stuff. So on a team like Phoenix, now I know, again, it, Beal's been hurt, Booker's out, all that. But Beal's making $46 million, right, this year. So, again, I'm not saying that you're going to find someone better than Bradley Beal, but the collection, right, that you can wave a wand and fill that other $46 million with, with Booker and KD, is a better team, yes? Like, you get a point guard. Alex Caruso costs $9 bucks. Who? Alex Caruso costs yeah. $9 million. Nine. And that still leaves you with 30-something million, to, right? I'm not saying they can get Caruso. My point is just... This is the problem when you front load on, okay, our top three players make $120 million combined. Well, no money left. Like, you know? I do know. So uh, we were talking before air about um, like roster construction mm-hmm. and coaching, player development, all those kinds of things. Uh, as, as we evolve into this new era uh, where you're not going to have a super team for different reasons, You've got to find players that can play their way into a winning role to help you win possessions, uh, given their talent, and then compare to the collective. And so uh, that's really what a coach has to do. Oof. Sorry, you're okay. That was my that was my light that just decided, Did, you know what? Okay. David's lamp fell. Yeah. All good. Yeah, whatever. Do you want me to put it back where it was, or is this? Yeah, yeah, put it back. So Hang you on. said well, you're not you're not in the dark. Hang on. <laughs> no guarantee it's going to work out good. Oh, All good. You know what? I'm going to do this. There you go. Hang on one second. Yeah. No, it's just me holding it. So hold on. <laughs> Fucking hold it. <laughs> I think it's time for we- me to get a new lamp that doesn't require me to finagle it on the clip on my uh, monitor. Ah, uh, that's what it is. We got a clip attached to the screen. There we go. I mean, Listen, it's folks. It's built in with that. I think, I think this may come down again. This is the reality of, of, broadcasting, of yeah. broadcasting live, well, folks. I, this I, I can afford to buy one that just sits on my table, not stands on my monitor. Um. And so Frank Vogel has to kind of figure out some things about um, where are we going wrong? Why are we going wrong? How do we fix it? Is it a roster situation? Is it the systems we're running? Um, where's our shots coming from? Where should we be initiating better? Like you just have to really surgically look at it. Again, it's working for three quarters. So that's, that's, this is a solvable problem. When we talked earlier today about um, uh, 
the lack of parity potentially with contenders, Phoenix ain't in there. But I am not prepared to tell you they can't end up being a hell of a team. We are not yet through mid-November. Right. I am not ready to say that they can't figure some stuff out. Um, right. You may not like their odds because of the age of their best two players, two of their That's best, three, two of their best three players. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't do it if they're healthy. So, right, right, yeah, they've got to figure that stuff out and and uh, and and get. I haven't looked to see uh, turnovers, missing shots, like all these things have to be studied and can be can be addressed. Well, they're definitely turning the ball over a ton. Yeah, that's well, right, Chris, that's Chris Paul, the man. I mean, this guy goes on runs where he has like 95 assists and one turnover, right? And this is just, he's incredible that way. And yeah, so this this is this is a problem for them right now. And the stuff that you also talked about at the end of the season, Josh Koji, not hitting shots and also not confident and comfortable. And you can see it. It's like, this is happening in the playoffs last year. They're going to leave you open. That was my you concern. It's just who's guarding him. Yeah. Yep. And so now with a team like that, where all you have is, you know, 35-year-old KD, you're putting a lot of wear and tear on that on that body, you know, like and this is potential for more breakdown come January. And these are the challenges you have as teams when you're when you're trying to build. And this is a perfect segue, David, into the team I want to talk about next. Of course, everybody. Yes. The Memphis Grizzlies. We are going to talk about them. Breaking David's rule about talking about relevant teams. But the reason I want to talk about them is because. Were was their success the last two years? masking some underlying problems that they really have not addressed. When you have an all-NBA level point guard in John Morant and you have a defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. and a, and a player who's basically an all-star in Desmond Bain, right? That's a nice trio. The things, anytime that those three are on the court, the other two who share with them, generally going to have positive metrics because those three are really good. Um, and I want to be fair to them. They have injuries, right? We mentioned no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. That's huge. Yeah. Two good but players. stuff that you, you and I talked about, David, they lost Melton, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, and Dylan Brooks and didn't really replace them. They replaced them with Marcus Smart, who, by the way, not having a great metric season. No, we did have a sick um, pass yesterday. He did. He, he, Smart was on the – got tripped from behind, fell on the ground. He backhanded so – that shows you how much strength he's got in his forearms. and like It's amazing. Backhands the basketball off the ground to a wide-open shooter in the corner for a three. That was pretty impressive. Is that is, they got a three out of that? Yeah, I just remember. I just it was st- whatever he did with diving, and I just couldn't believe what I saw. One of the best passes I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he is look. That's he is they're... all hustle, all you know. I just wonder is he still effective defensively? We know offensively what the problems are, and he's not shooting well, so yeah. that's there. And so, David, I, I want to start there, right? Like you let out, you let players like those go who I yeah. just mentioned, yeah. and you don't really replace them. This is this is the problem with the Clippers too. They lost a lot of their depth. Yeah, um, Harden can't do all that. Um, the answer probably is more uh, more nuanced because the reality is, I think two years ago they went twenty one and four. I've heard different numbers: twenty and four, twenty yeah. and four without, without Ja. ja. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think it was like ten and ten, something like that. They had Tyus Jones both those times, right? So still, you're still way above five hundred, missing your best mm-hmm. player. Who wouldn't want that? Now you throw out, you know, losing Adams too matters, as we talked about. Clark. Mm-hmm. And Brandon for sure. Um, they haven't solved their small forward issue. Their, their other draft, you know, Roddy, Zaire Williams, Roddy, LaRavia. All of them, David, negative players. Yeah. Every they, single one. They've not learned to play yet. They're young, but still, you want to start seeing progress in year two or year three in some cases. It's, um, 
It's and Taylor Jenkins now is blaming referees for the loss to Utah. He went nuts yeah. on Friday at the rest that's in, the, stress. In, the, in the post game. That's stress for sure. Yeah. And to be fair to Taylor, that 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 ejection of Jaron was ridiculous. I was like, wait, you got a double tech for what? Like he got fouled and you didn't call it three times in a row. He was getting hacked. So I get why he was mad. And the double tech is is rare that quick. Yeah, I mean is. I've seen players do way worse assess, that don't get they double tech. Must really bad. Probably. Or, or, or not, I wouldn't say probably, maybe. I, I'm skeptical on the referees these days. <laughs> you are. You are skeptical. I have some concerns. <laughs> I have some real concerns. Um, so from a player development standpoint, David, if you're going to let those guys walk out of the building, because you're like, okay, we got Zaire, we got Roddy, we got, the, you got Kenneth Love. How, uh, look, and I, because you want to make a parallel, look at New Orleans, right? This was, from all accounts, Zion's first offseason yeah. where he took things seriously. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm sorry, but I know he's young, but that's also an indictment on you as a franchise right. that you can't get through to him. Well, to be fair, I, I, I understand your point. There's only so much they can do. Uh, um, that doesn't mean they did it. That's, that's a separate issue. But it is what these guys are doing in the offseason. Um, you, you should be able to say, I, 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 you should really be selling. I need you here if you're not getting it done wherever you are. And then when they're there, you better make sure you take advantage of it. And that's not always happening. Because I look at someone like uh, Kent Lofton Jr., like he's How got he such a so feel bad? offensively. Yeah. Like, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. Like, again, you invested draft capital in these yeah. people and nothing. Yeah. Like that's got to be an indictment on you as a developer, right? And so, again, you know, billionaires, they get squirrely and itchy trigger fingers. It would – if they – I mean, it's just not going to happen. But David, for the Grizzlies to get to 500 ball by the time Morant comes back, they have to play 700 basketball, very, very, which very, is not go- like which is not going to happen. So, and then what's this? What's the guarantee that when Jock comes back, they're going to all of a sudden be? He's going to be he's going to be rusty for a little bit, probably. Right. Right. Yeah. No, things don't look good for your Memphis Grizzlies right now. I mean, you, you, it, it would not. I'm, again, I'm not calling for anybody to get fired. Like you were with, I'm not saying that you were going to stand up with the Clippers either. But it wouldn't surprise you, right? If no, that's why Taylor is losing it against Utah and the referees. He knows people get fired. Billionaires get yeah. billionaires get itchy trigger fingers, and he's a yeah, no. and he's a very wealthy billionaire. Oh shit! And billionaires <laughs> go. He's top Robert like five Barrett, in value. Barrett got a lot of money, a lot of yeah. money, a lot of money. It'll be interesting to see. Um, and you know. David, uh, really quick, but before we go here, the in-season tournament, a couple teams, you know, because it's six groups of five and you only play four games in your, in your group stage, 0-2, and, and you're probably already on the, on the done mark, right? Like, if you've already, if you already lost two games in your, in your group, and that's Memphis, already lost two games, a couple teams now that are 0-1, they're getting to this, we got to win this next group game if we want to do something in this tournament, so... That's something for to, to pay attention to. Right, games. but at least now it still counts as regular season, you know, for yep. seeding and all that. So at least mm-hmm. at least they're not going to tank those. Probably at least no, not, no, not no, that, no, not no, yet no. anyway. No, no, definitely yeah. not. Definitely not that yet. All right, folks, uh, we'll be back on Thursday talking more of the league. Again, if you want to get your questions in for David Thorpe's Big Basketball Brain, send your email to truehoop at truehoop.com. That is T-R-U-E-H-O-O-P at truehoop.com. And we'll see you next time. Take care.